Well, my name is Doug, and I'm really grateful to be here with you today. You're already being biblical. You're being biblical because you're following after what the Bible says, don't forget to do. It says, don't forget to get together, right? Gather together. So you're being biblical already. Thank you for being here. And uh, with my family, we've got a family of six, and they are no longer diaper age, thankfully. But uh, some of you who have kids who are the diaper age, you know what a struggle it can be to get here. Some of you who are way beyond that go, wow, I, I, don't, I don't have recent memories. We have memories ingrained in our heads from when we got together. We had at one time five years old and under, four kids, five and under. All of them were in some form of diaper pull-ups, diapers, whatever the case. So Sunday mornings was an adventure, to say the least, okay? So first of all, we're trying to get up and get rolling in your Sunday morning and putting on your Sunday smile and getting ready, and you got kids who are fighting, and you had a fight with your wife the night before, you're trying to get everybody going, get all the kids in matching clothes, right? That's always a challenge, especially for dads. And we would finally get everybody like, okay, we might even be on time to church today. Let's get him in the van. Let's go. What's that smell? <laughs> Who had the diaper blowout? Now you've got to run back into the house. You've got to change the diapers. And you've got to come to church like, ah, everything's great. We're good. Everything's great. My kid just blew out his pants and we're trying to, oh, God. All that to say again, thank you for being here, guys. Really is a pleasure to be with you as you come to worship at 360 Church. Now, Steve McCoy getting back with his family from vacation, and if you know the McCoys, their vacation spots are only one of two places. New York and Orlando, okay? So it's like 95% Orlando and 5% New York. So I don't know about you, but vacation in Orlando, to me, I think I-4. I mean, I think I-4, that's not vacation. When I get back from that, I need a vacation. After I get back, I'm like, ah, and we had uh, one of our favorite memories of Orlando, and I'm not sure if my, my daughter Rebecca is here this morning, but one of our favorite <laughs> times of Disney was heat stroke with our three-year-old. So we got there, we were ready to roll, and we had our family, and our in-laws were with us, and our daughter just blew a gasket in Orlando. And we were like, really? Now you're going to blow a gasket? And grandma ended up taking her home, but it was a memory that we won't forget, and Orlando, to me, just doesn't really sound like vacation. So, to each his own, right? So, those of you who have not met my family, uh, as Eric said, we've been here about six years at 360 Church. I serve on the finance board here, grateful to be a part of the church. And uh, just take a look here, real quick picture, you might recognize some of these faces. Um, the first thing, guys, obvious about the picture is that the girls don't get their looks from their dad, Okay. <laughs> They are gorgeous. They get their looks from their mother. Uh, my girls on the right there is Rebecca. She is our 19-year-old. Emily is our 21-year-old. And the gorgeous Kristen, who has uh, been my bride for 27, going on 28 years. And the one in the middle there, uh, he is nicknamed the Ginger Ninja. <laughs> so you might know him better as Micah. Um, I think there's only a couple people who rival Micah at 360 Church. Would probably be John Hofstra. Uh, in height, and maybe Paul Rademacher from the first service. He's 6'5", about 240. And uh, if you ever read the Bible in the Old Testament, it talked about giants in the land. We think Micah might be a descendant <laughs> of one of those giants in the land. 
So uh, Mike is just married. Actually, this is from the, a picture just two weeks ago. So uh, transition happening in our home. We gave away our first son, Micah, and uh, his new wife, Lindsay, we love. And uh, they're part of our family. So real quick story is some of those transitions happen in our lives. We have this cool app called the 360 app, not church-wise, but 360 app. We can follow our kids around. So, you know, on the app, you can pull it up. You can see where your kids are. And if it's on their phones, we, we follow them around. And they can follow us. So the day after Micah gets married, I pulled up the 360 app the next morning just to kind of check out and say, hey, I wonder what Mike and Lindsay are doing. No network found. He turned it off. So I texted him, of course. I said, son, what's the deal? Dude, we want to keep track and stay in love and family and the whole thing. And he throws one back at me. He goes, dad, leave and cleave. I'm like, really? You're going to try that on me? Leave and cleave. So we haven't seen him since his wedding two weeks ago. So anyways, he was here first service. So, and then our last kid up there was Caleb. Caleb's our 17-year-old, and he's a, he's a bundle of joy. So uh, if you haven't seen them yet or uh, recognize them, now you do. That's a, a pretty new picture. Well, as we get rolling today, guys, I want to start with the most important thing is prayer. Bow with me just for a moment as we, uh, we invite the Lord in here, and thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, we need your guidance today as we just sang, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a problem today, guys, in our country, and we have a problem across the globe. It's not just a problem, it's actually an epidemic. Epidemic proportions. 2019, 50% of Americans said they have a struggle with this, a deep struggle with this specific epidemic. Health experts tell us that it's worse than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Incredibly, incredibly difficult. People are dying from this every single week, not just in America, but across the globe. Any guesses what that might be? What might I be talking about? Dieting? Stress? I heard loneliness. People are dying today of loneliness. And it's now an epidemic. Here in the U.S., people are wanting to have this connection. Social scientists say, you know what, it's not about the media device. It's not about how many friends do you got on Facebook. My son has something called Snapchat streaks. How many streaks do you have? How many days in a row am I Snapchatting and, and connecting with my friends, right? How many Instagram followers? How many tweets have you done? Wow, it's not about that type of connection. It's this connection to say, I want to be known by somebody else in a deeper way. The Brits, UK, our friends in the UK, get this, 2018, for the first time ever, the Brits actually assigned a government official to be the minister of loneliness because it's such an epidemic there. A minister of loneliness. 41% of Brits say their best companion is a family pet or the television. Not kidding, right? So it is. 
an epidemic and people are dying from wanting to have a connection with each other. We're going to talk about today that whole aspect of how can we begin to connect better. And I believe, guys, that through this whole concept of purpose, we can begin to connect. Think about it. What if the lonely had a purpose? What if they began to get out of bed and go, you know what? I know what I'm made for today. And having an opportunity for the church to have a purpose. Can you imagine what could happen? What would happen if you had a purpose? You had a purpose. What would happen if you had a purpose? Imagine the world change that could take place. We're going to walk through that today because you might be going, Doug, I have no idea where to start. I have no idea how to find my purpose. I've been struggling with that maybe for a while. We're going to dig in. We're going to start today as we look in God's Word here in just a moment. But I want to share with you from a great book. Uh, The Bible is the best book, but this is a great book. Some of you might recognize the name Henry Blackaby. Henry Blackaby had a Bible study series way back when called Experiencing God. This is his son. Imagine growing up in the Blackaby house. This is his son, Richard. has written a book called The Seasons of God. I'm going to read to you just a quick excerpt from The Seasons of God and what he talks about in finding this purpose, guys. If you don't know where your life is going, any route will get you there. One job that pays the bills will appear as good as another. One spouse or church or house career will seem as acceptable as another if you have no sense of where your life is headed and what help you need to arrive at your destination. When your life is guided by a sense of purpose and direction, you recognize how profoundly every decision you make will either draw you closer to your purpose or move you away from where your life should be. In a brief period in which we inhabit the globe, it's our sacred obligation to determine why did our creator put us here and grant us life for this specific time. Horace Mann is an educator and a statesman. He says this, be ashamed to die until you win some victory for humanity. That is purpose. How do you begin to find that? I'm glad you asked because we're going to take a look at that today. And as we dive into God's word today, we're going to have the scripture up here on the screen for you. If you've got your Bible, fantastic. If you've got Your other devices, please take those out at this point, and we're going to be walking through the first piece of our time today in Psalm chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. First of all, about purpose. As the Bible unpackages this word, the Hebrew word purpose is actually three or four different words, so it can be used interchangeably. So as you think about purpose, you might also want to put into that place when you read it in the Bible, plan, counsel, or strategy. So in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, that word is used interchangeably there. So as you see that coming up on the screen here today, just be thinking on that. That's usually a word that can be used interchangeably with those two or three words. So in Psalm chapter 20, it says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. May he grant you according to your heart's desire, and look at that last verse there, and fulfill all your purpose. 
interesting. As we take a look at the context of this verse, King David wrote a lot of the Psalms. King David was a warrior. And this particular Psalm, guys, King David was actually preparing to go out to battle. He was preparing to go out and fight on behalf of the people of Israel. And his leadership team, his servant said, hey, get over here. Before you go, we want to pray over you. That's what this first four verses is. It's his peeps praying for his purpose. What would that look like for you to grab those leaders in your life and encourage them and say, today, before you go to work, I want to, I want to grab you and pray for you. Pray that God would have his purpose fulfilled in you. Do me a favor. Next week when you see Steve McCoy again, just grab him in a good way, grab him in a good way, and pray for him, much like David's peeps did for him, praying over him, praying for purpose, praying for God's direction and guidance. And look at the two-way street we have going on here in verse 4. May he, God, grant you according to your heart's desire. So what does that say? Oh, wait, I have some things that I'm passionate about oh, wait a second, I've got some things that I get really jazzed about. I needed to find a way to squeeze jazz in there, so if you didn't catch that. I will not be talking about kale today, by the way. No kale. All right. You get jazzed about certain things, right? God loves it, and he's made you that way. But then look at that last piece of 4B, and fulfill all your purpose. So in other words, God has a purpose for you, and he also wants you to be a part of finding out what that begins to look like, okay? So it's really a two-way piece. We are supposed to seek after him. We're supposed to ask him, but he's also gifted us in certain ways, which we'll unpackage a little bit more later this morning. A couple more passages I want to take a look at with you here. Daniel is another great passage we're going to look at. And Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. You might recognize the name Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. This actually was very early in Daniel's life, Daniel chapter 1. And a little bit of background, King Nebuchadnezzar had just come in and leveled Jerusalem. So King Nebuchadnezzar come in, and when that happens in those days and those times, when they came in and they destroyed a city, they took captive the young minds and they re-educated them. And Daniel was one of those who were caught in the re-education process. They changed their names. They taught them the new culture of what the Babylonians were about. And we'll begin to see here in this passage, what was Daniel's purpose? What was his purpose as he thought about this whole idea of being taken over by the Babylonians? We'll start in verse 3. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, three years of training, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king." Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names, 
he gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Now I can't help but pause for a moment and go veggie tales. <laughs> Rack, Shack, and Benny, right? And those of you who go, what are you talking about? Veggie tales, if you don't have kids who grew up in the age that our kids grew up in, veggie tales are, are vegetable cartoons. And they had this particular passage, Rack, Shack, and Benny, and the story of the fiery furnace. So, sorry, rabbit trail. Rack, Shack, and Benny. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Wow. You want to guess how old Daniel was at the time that the Babylonians came and took them captive and he had this purpose in his heart? Guess what, guess what his age was? He's a young little punk. Yeah. Scholars tell us he was 17 years old. 17 years old. Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. Whoa, what can purpose do when you get your head and your heart around what God wants you to do? Whew. Nothing was moving this 17-year-old. How about the king's delicacies? Have anything you want. All the food you can eat. It's all yours. I'm going to have only vegetables, and God's going to take care of me. Whoa. Guess what happens when you find purpose? It's not easy. It's not easy. You think that was easy for Daniel? Daniel could have compromised, right? He could have gone, yeah, maybe I'll have some of that meat. Yeah, maybe I'll have some of that wine. And yeah, you know, this is not so bad. This life's not so bad. Turn my back on, on God purposed in his heart. You will get opposition, and it will not be easy, my friend. Check out Romans. We're going to flip over to the New Testament for a second. Romans 8 and 28. Some of you have got this one memorized over the years. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called, oh, here it is again, according to his purpose. So God has that purpose for you. And a lot of times it's for us. How do we align with God's purpose? How do we find his purpose? It's not as difficult as you might think. I'm going to share with you one quick thing that as you begin this track, maybe for you for the first time, how do you find your purpose? Be obedient. Simple but not easy, right? Be obedient. You hear the voice of the Lord through your conscience, through his word, through a wise counselor who comes to you and shares something with you and you go, ah, I'm not doing that. Be obedient when you hear his voice. Be obedient to his word. And what might that look like in your life? I found this quote that for me has been a part of my devotions for many years and I brought it up for you today and put it up on the screen. It's about obedience. Jesus Christ will not force me to obey him, but I must. And as soon as I obey him, I fulfill my spiritual purpose, right? My personal life may be crowded with small and petty things, altogether insignificant, 
But if I obey Jesus Christ in the seemingly random circumstances of life, look at that. They become pinholes through which I see the face of God. Then when I stand face to face with God, I will discover that through my obedience, thousands were blessed. That little thing, right? That little thing you go, ah, no one's going to see that. That's no big deal. That little thing, the seemingly random circumstances of your life, people are watching you. They're watching you. Be obedient. Small steps. They're little pinholes through which you're going to see God's face. And you'll then turn around when you get to heaven and go, look at all those people here because I was obedient. Praise God. Praise God. Be obedient as you think about that purpose. The last piece we're going to look at in the the scripture, and then I'd actually like to bring up here in a couple of moments a very practical example for you from someone here in our midst who's walked through this whole process for many years of trying to find purpose and walking in purpose. You're going to hear a practical example in just a moment. But let's look back. One of my favorite books in the whole Bible is Proverbs. And I want you to be honest with me for a moment, okay? Now that you wouldn't otherwise be honest, especially if I just said you better be obedient, you're going to be honest with me, right? As we look at Bible Relay, how many of you ever played Bible Relay? Come on, nobody's played Bible Relay? All right, this is Bible Relay. All right, Lord, I'm not sure what I should be reading today, but um, all right, open it up and... It happened in the spring of the year at the time when the kings go out to battle that David said, that's Bible Rollet, okay? So if you've never played Bible Rollet, Proverbs is a great place to play Bible Rollet because you will always find something in Proverbs that will stick out to you that's going to be practical for your day. It is. It happens every time I open Proverbs, I go, wow, this is a great book to listen and learn from. This morning, we're going to take a look real quick here at Proverbs 16 and verse 9 when it comes to purpose. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So you see that two-way thing going on again? It's God's got a purpose, right? But he also says, hey, I want you to think and plan and strategize and receive counsel about what your purpose might be. Now, when you figure out that great mystery that God has given us a purpose and yet he wants us to figure it out with him, give me a call. (laughs) That'd be a really awesome book for millions of people to go, yeah, yeah, I discovered the mystery of how God gives us purpose and yet he wants us to find it. (laughs) I don't know, but you know what it keeps me? It keeps me dependent on him all the time. It keeps me going, Lord, what is it right now today you want me to be zeroed in on? And as I look at circumstances, I think of this verse, directing our steps. Let me put it simply for you. Green light, yellow light, red light. As you walk through decisions, as you go through your day, have that connection with God to be able to go... Am I supposed to ask this person that I'm meeting with today a certain question? Ah, yeah. Okay, got it. Thank you, Lord. And make sure you ask that question. 
do I need to be spending a couple extra moments with that person I really don't like to be with? Oh, rats. Maybe they need that today. Green light. Green light. Green light. Should I be taking that new position with this company? Flashing red light. Oh, I'm going to go through the red light. I would be careful if I were you. <laughs> be careful. The Lord directs our steps, guys, through these circumstances of our life. It's a way to find out. And he wants us to be involved with him to do that and to have that process as we walk through life. So I'd like to call up for you just for a moment. We're going to spend a couple of minutes, guys. And I want you to hear from a very practical example when it comes to purpose and when it comes to how do we practically do this purpose thing as you hear me talking about it today. Doris Schweppe has been a part of uh, my life for um, a long time. I can't say thank you enough for all the prayers that you have offered on my behalf. Doris, may I share your age or not? Yeah. Okay. Doris is almost 82 years old. Some of you may or may not know Doris. Doris has been a business leader. She has been a missionary. She has been a prayer warrior. She works in the nursery here at 360 Church. She is an awesome, awesome woman of God. And she, as I think of a word for Doris, guys, I think of a word, it's, it's overcomer. It's an overcomer. Lost her father at a very young age, six years old. Um, lost her husband at 19 years old. And walking through cancer in 2002 and has overcome cancer, God continues to form his purpose in and through you. So thank you for spending a couple of moments with me up here in front of all these people and sharing with us from a practical perspective. Doris, first just share with us, what is your passion? What do you love to do? My passion really is to serve the Lord with those who have less than we, with the poor, not in spirit, but with the material things that we all take for granted. And many of the people that I have served for a long, long time here in Sarasota, not knowing that the Lord was really preparing me for the final call to the Dominican Republic. It is amazing. Prayer, prayer, mm. and prayer. We cannot do it without prayer. Yes, and be in the word first thing in the morning, very important. But throughout the day, we can pray. Throughout the day, we can pray. So you have this constant communication as we were talking about this, a constant communication and not just, oh, I start my day with prayer and I pray over a meal and before I go to bed. You're in communion with God all the time. Constantly. And it is wonderful because it's so peaceful. Huh. Because then you know, first thing in the morning when you say, Lord, how do you need, how do you want to use me today? This is your day, Father, and I want to serve you. So the rest of the day, whatever happens, you know it has come from God. You asked him. You're willing to serve him. When he was telling me, sell this house, sell that house, you're spending too much time. This was back in my business days. I obeyed. My accountant would get crazy. <laughs> and I would say, I must do it. What God told me to do it. I must do it. When I saw my beautiful little cottage that everybody thought I was crazy, I did because the Lord was saying to me, become debt free. 
okay? I didn't know what he really was going to do with me, but I obeyed. Mm. Praise be to God, my last little condominium, I was dead free when he called me to sell that one too because he was going to call me to full-time mission. I was to sell my business, give everything that I had, and go. And then he says, Dominican Republic. Hmm. And I said, huh? <laughs> Why not Costa Rica? It was, a, it was in my bucket list for 15 years prior. Yeah. He said, no, Dominican Republic. Praise be to God. The last six years, call. right? The last six yes. years have been serving in the DR. And again, the reminder, I don't care what age you are. Right? I don't care if you're single, married, young or old. God's got a purpose, guys, for you. And a couple of keys you're hearing from Doris today. Obey. Prayer and obedience. Yes. Right? Thank you, sister. Amen. I love you. Thank, Thank you. you. Love you all. Thank you. Purpose. You got one? And you might not yet have one. Guess what we're going to do for the rest of our time? We're going to unpackage what that begins to look like, and it's going to be amazing. In about 10 minutes and 15 seconds, I have to equip you to find a purpose. That will be a miracle, my friends, as we walk through that. All right, so in a sense, first of all, what can purpose do for you? How can it begin to change what you're doing, and what does it begin to do even in a business sense, I work with business owners and executives every single week through the C12 group. And businesses who have purpose, we find this, guys, more productive employees. We find people who are engaged in their work. We find employees who stay longer in what they're doing. They're loyal to the cause. They're loyal to a purpose. I wanted to bring up just a couple examples here for you on the screen. These are not Christian examples, but these are a couple examples of businesses who have purpose. And when employees and workers can get their minds and their hearts around, it's more than just insurance, or it's more than just, in this case, food. Look what can happen. Wow. Take a look here at these couple of um, business pieces. Financial services company called ING empowering people to stay ahead in life and business. And then Kellogg's, you might have had some this morning. A little special K, I've got some in my cupboard. Kellogg's encourages their teams, nourishing families so they can flourish and thrive. So you find through purpose, it can transform businesses as you think through that. Christianity had a transformational purpose, didn't it? Over 2,000 years ago, this message that started with the death and resurrection of Christ has had a significant impact on our culture. When people get their heads and their hearts and their minds around purpose, it can change cultures. What's going to happen as you begin to formulate a purpose? I can tell you what will happen. First of all, you're going to get opposition. Think of some of the biblical characters like Moses, King David, Esther, Paul. What happens when they started working through their purpose? Bam! Knock you out. Knock you over. Discourage you. What happens when you begin to unpackage and find a purpose? You have this enemy called the devil who will come and he begins to whisper, you can't do this. <laughs> 
failure. You're always a failure. You've always been a failure. What's that lie that you're listening to today? You know what I call that? I call that head trash. You got head trash going on here. It's time for you to take out the trash. Christian, you have got to stop entertaining and having a conversation with the enemy. Because what we'll often do is when we begin to hear that little chirp, that little doubt, we'll just go like this. Yeah, you know what? You might be right. I am not that good. And I go, it's time to fight back. What did Jesus do when it came to the enemy? When the devil came, what did Jesus do? He hit him. He hit him with Scripture. He didn't have a conversation, guys. He hit him with Scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future. So when the enemy comes calling, you turn and say, I'm a child of God. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am anxious, guess what happens? I am not to be anxious. God's word tells me. What? Be anxious for nothing but an everything enemy by prayer and supplication. I make my request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind, head trash, in Christ Jesus. When the enemy comes calling you, turn and you say, he is my strong tower. He is my deliverer. He is my son. He is my shield. Enemy, you have to flee. You have to go from here. You cannot be in the presence of God and his word together. When you put those things together, you're going to be taken out the trash. That's how you combat the enemy. It's not about what you bring to the table. It's not about your special gifts and your special talents. It's about God's word being focused, being purposeful, and using it against the enemy. When we take a look at spiritual gifts, another area which you can begin to hone in and say, what's my purpose? We're going to bring up just for a moment here on the screen, you're going to be walking through some of these scripture passages with your connect groups this week. These are the spiritual gifts passages. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, he gives you at least one, sometimes more, spiritual gifts. Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and 1 Peter are passages I would encourage you to take time in and say, God, I'm struggling a bit with this purpose. I'm not quite sure where to find it. How do I know? When you begin to dial up your spiritual gifts, that's a great place to begin. And as you unpackage some of those verses this week with your connect groups, I pray you'll begin to start finding some of your purpose as you walk through there. One of the other things that happens, guys, is we spend too much time in Facebook or name your social media piece, right? Do you know Zuckerberg wasn't the originator and the founder of Facebook? God was because God's original Facebook is right here. Get your face in the book right? Get your face in the book. 
God made this for a purpose, and he made it for you to stick your nose and your face in it every day. Why? Because you're going to get discouraged. Because life is tough. Because it's not easy. Because only a few have great purpose and persevere and have the grit with God's help to get through it. So turn off Facebook and spend a little more time in the original, friend, if I might so step on your toes this morning. Spend time in his Facebook. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? And how many other favorites can you begin to bring up when the enemy comes calling and tries to knock you off course, tries to knock you away from your purpose? It will come. It will happen. The opportunity a few years back I had to begin to ask the Lord, please help me define where I'm supposed to be. What's my purpose as I begin to look through the eyes? For me, four or five years ago, jumping into a C12 group and beginning to walk alongside Christian business owners and executives and help them find purpose in their life and business. I sat on top of that great mountain, the celery fields. <laughs> Our only mountain in Florida, right? The celery field. Some of you have been there. I go there for my personal retreat time and just draw back and say, Lord, what do you have for me? And I was at a crossroads to say, what do you want me to be doing? I went, guys, and it's not easy for me to slow down. I'm not a, a sit down and be comfortable type of person. And I went and I asked specifically, God, would you help me here? Would you guide my, my process? And as I prayed, I'm on the top of the celery fields and I wasn't, admittedly, I wasn't sitting, okay? <laughs> I was, all right, Lord, what is this here? I'm, I'm supposed to be getting purpose here. What's going on? Sit down. Got it. I sat down and guys, I kid you not, and this is not going to be the story for everybody who looks for purpose, Within 10 minutes, my pen was on fire and I'm writing down this phrase, to passionately engage people and help them find God's purpose for their life and their business. Silence. Like, was, was that it? Oh my gosh, God, thank you. That was my green light to say, this is what I want you to do next. He purpose that, poured that into my heart many years ago, and it came out. Because why? Because I asked. Because I was purposeful in saying, God, I need your help here. Because it's the gift sets that he's given me that I'm now walking in. Thanks be to God. Good news and bad news as we wrap up our time this morning, guys. Good news is each and every one of you, no matter where you're at in your walk of life, has a purpose. The bad news is, most of you who are hearing this this morning, I'm pretty frank. Those of you who know me, I'm bottom line. Most of you won't do anything with the message you've heard today. And that's okay. Take a look at the quote up on the screen. 83% of Americans have no clear goals. Only 3% of Americans have written goals. And they are earning an astounding 10 times higher income, living healthier lives, and experiencing happier marriages than those with no 
goals, purpose, plan, strategies, right? So I know, again, most of you won't do anything with it. And again, friend, that's okay. Because the number is this. It only takes 3 to 5% of a culture to transform it. Experts tell us it only takes 3 to 5% of people who are on purpose about a specific thing to transform a culture. So think about it just for a moment, guys. What if you decide today it's time for me to zero in on my purpose? What begins to happen at 360 Church? We have purpose bubbles going on all over the place. People beginning to be purposeful in 360 Church. What happens when that spills out? That spills out into our city. And our city becomes a transformed place. What happens then? Well, it then spills out into our county, and our county becomes a transformed place. What happens then? It spills into our state, and our state becomes a transformed place. What happens then? It spills out from our state into our country, and we begin to see a transformed country because we're purposeful. And then what happens? It spills out around the world. God's purpose for you is waiting. Take out the trash, my friend. Zero in on his purpose for you today. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come before you as humble people. Father, we have open hands to say we don't have what it takes. Only you have what it takes, Lord, to help us find our purpose. Help us as Christ followers today to be purposeful, whether it's as parents, whether it's as, as a student, whether it's as a single adult, whether it's as a grandparent, whether they're married, whatever that looks like, God, you have a purpose designed for us. And we bring that brokenness to you today and we ask you to help us Help us find our purpose, Lord, that we may bring glory to your name. Father, we thank you for the week ahead. I pray those in connect groups this week would dive into your word, dive in like never before, ask about their purpose, hear from their friends and their fellow mates what does their purpose begin to look like, and then pursue it with everything that they are. Our strength, God, comes from you, so we need that, and we pray for that. Would you do that in and through us, we pray, O Lord. May others see us and glorify you, our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.